0: Chapter 19 of The Friendship of Anne, a story by Ellen Douglas Deland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. During all the troubles and exciting affairs, Sydney Stuart had continued her visits to the little lady in the next house. Mrs. Braithwaite soon grew to be very dependent upon her and Sydney was quite fascinated by the inconsequent yet charming ways of the blind woman. There was something odd and baffling about her that piqued one's curiosity, and the combination of gaiety and extreme sadness in her temperament made her attractive to Sydney, who, although so young, already found human nature the most interesting study in the world." She was unconscious of this herself as yet, but it was the case. She was always hoping that Mrs. Braithwaite would tell her the story of her life, as she had promised to do, but as yet nothing had been said. Mrs. Braithwaite played to her, walked with her in the garden when the weather permitted, or talked to her on many subjects in her beautiful sitting-room, but that of her sorrow had not been touched upon. The old servant, Eliza, after Sydney's first call, appeared to approve of her mistress's new friend. It relieved her of much responsibility and gave her more time for her other duties, so Eliza permitted the intercourse to continue. There was no doubt that it was she who ruled the household mistress, and servants alike. There was another maid, also of mature years, and the old man who worked on the place. There might have been a whole retinue of men and maids so far as Mrs. Braithwaite's means were concerned, but Eliza preferred that there should be no more. The winter wore away, and then one day it seemed as though spring had really come." Although patches of snow still lay upon field and hill, the ground had softened, and the oozy mud of the roads showed that the frost was at last melting, which had held them stiff and hard so long. The breeze, which blew gently from the south, had a spring mildness in its breath, and a bluebird was seen to perch and flit and perch again in Mrs. Braithwaite's garden." She was walking there, leaning upon Sydney's arm at the time. "'Hark!' she said in a breathless way. "'Is not that a bluebird?' And then Sidney saw it and told her she was right. "'I thought so,' she said softly. "'My dear boy would have been the first to discover it. He loved to see the first bluebird. "'I have never told you about my boy. "'Have I, Sidney?' No, Miss Braithwaite, and I have always hoped you would. Was he your son? Oh, no, my grandson, my only daughter's only child. I never had a son of my own, and perhaps for that very reason I loved him more even than most grandsons are loved. I am tired of walking now, Sidney. Please take me back to the house." They turned their steps towards the house, and Sydney felt a keen pang of disappointment. She had hoped that the little lady had been about to tell her the story. Nothing more was said until they reached the sitting-room upstairs. "'Can you stay with me a little longer?' asked Mrs. Braithwaite. Her voice, which could be almost youthfully joyous, "'had lost its note of gaiety and was sad. "'Yes, I needn't go for some time. "'We are having a half-holiday this afternoon, "'and most of the girls have gone for a drive. "'They hired the big barge and invited Miss Jeanie to go too. "'That was nice. "'And did you not care to go with them? "'Did you give up that pleasure to come see an old woman like me? "'I wanted to come,' "'and besides, I could not go to drive. "'You see, we haven't a great deal of money, Miss Braithwaite, "'and it is necessary for me to be very economical. Anne Talbot wanted me to go as her guest, "'but I would not do that. Anne is very generous, "'but I would rather not let her do so much for me. "'She is always wanting to give me things and pay for me.' but I won't let her. You are right, said the little lady. I am glad for my own sake that you were free to come to see me today, but I am sorry you could not have had the drive. She went to the piano, and after a few random notes, she began to play bits from the pastoral symphony. Do you hear them? she asked, "'Do you hear all the sounds of spring and the great world of outdoors? "'How my boy loved the spring!' "'Presently she left the piano and went to her usual chair. "'Where are you, my dear? "'Come and sit beside me and let me hold your hand, "'and I will tell you about my boy.' "'Sidney did as she was desired. "'She was uncertain what to say.' so she only pressed the hand in silence—the hand with the long, delicate fingers which showed such marvelous strength upon the piano. "'He came to me when his mother died,' said Mrs. Braithwaite, beginning at once to speak. He was only a baby then. His father had also died suddenly, two weeks after my daughter's death. My boy was barely a year old.' THE ARRANGEMENT WAS THAT HE SHOULD LIVE WITH ME AND BE MY ADOPTED SON AS WELL AS MY GRANDCHILD, BUT THAT HE SHOULD SPEND FOUR MONTHS OF EACH YEAR WITH HIS FATHER'S FAMILY, WHO LOVED HIM TOO, WHO DID NOT LOVE HIM, BUT THEY WERE ONLY HIS aunts AND UNCLES. THERE WERE NO GRANDPARENTS THERE, SO I HAD THE GREATER RIGHT TO HIM. "'Sidney, he was my idol. "'I loved him as I had never loved anyone before, "'which is saying much, for I have an eager nature, "'the nature which, when it gives love, "'gives in no stinted measure. "'It has caused me suffering, but it is the true way to love.' "'She ceased speaking for a few minutes, "'and Sidney dared not break the silence.' She scarcely moved, except to stroke with extreme gentleness the fine old hand that lay within her own. Presently mrs Braithwaite continued her story. His whole childhood was a joy to me, she said. Her voice had become stronger, and its tone was reminiscent of her grandson's happy youth. He was so dear and affectionate, full of charm. He was always sunny and bright everyone loved him from the time he was able to speak he won friends there was never there never was a child who had so many when he went to his father's people it was the same it was because he loved everyone he had a quick temper but he never harbored an unkind thought it was over in a flash if anything went wrong IN THE BRIEFEST INSTANT THE CLOUDS WOULD PASS BY, AND THE SUN BE SHINING AGAIN. I COULD TALK TO YOU FOR HOURS ABOUT HIS BEAUTIFUL NATURE, BUT I MUST HURRY ON. I WANT TO TELL YOU ABOUT THE TRAGEDY, FOR THERE WAS A TRAGEDY. HAVE YOU HAD A TRAGEDY TOO IN YOUR LIFE? SAID Sydney IN A LOW VOICE. WE HAVE HAD ONE TOO. My dear, there are many tragedies in many lives, but they are not always known. Mine was, and so was ours. You shall tell me of yours some day. Perhaps we shall be able, through sympathy, to comfort each other. As I said, my boy went each year to visit his father's family, and there he had a friend, a dear and intimate friend, of whom he was more fond than of any other. He was a boy of about his own age, and though I never saw him, I grew to know him through my dear child, and to love him too. They played together when they were little, and later they had other boyish sports. They were very congenial. One day they went out with their guns. Sydney made a sudden movement. What was coming but in some way purely accidental as they were getting over a fence the other boy's gun went off and braith was instantly killed braith repeated sydney in a choked voice was your grandson's name braith yes he was always called that his name was braithwaite appleton Sydney suddenly let go of the hand she had been holding. Could the blind lady have seen her, she would have been startled by the expression of her young face. Such misery was in the eyes. It happened in Maryland, continued Mrs. Braithwaite, near Baltimore. I have always felt so sorry for that boy. We never blamed him, even though he told us they had quarreled just before it happened we never blamed him in the least braith had a very quick temper and it was nothing but a sudden falling out that would have been forgotten directly i have never seen him though i have always wished to very much they told me he was heartbroken and very sensitive and nothing could comfort him I have always felt nothing but sorrow and sympathy for him, for I knew how he loved Braith. I wish I could tell him so. "'Who was the boy?' asked Sydney. Her voice might have been another's. It was so unlike her own. Miss Braithwaite, quick to catch the significance of every tone, turned towards her. "'My dear,' she said, you must not take it so to heart it is all over now no said sydney it is not all over the boy who did it still lives what is his name mrs braithwaite his name is Stuart, like your own i told you the name of Stuart was of significance to me was it philip stewart yes philip "'My boy always spoke of him as Phil.' "'I thought so,' said Sydney very quietly. "'He is my brother.' "'For an instant there was perfect silence in the room, "'save for the crackling of a log upon the hearth. "'Outside some sparrows chattered in the ivy, "'which grew over the house. "'Except for this it was very still everywhere.' Again Miss Braithwaite turned towards Sydney. Then, with a sudden movement, she rose to her feet and held out her arms. "'Oh, my dear! my dear!' she exclaimed. Her voice shook with the intensity of her emotion. "'Where is your brother? Send for him! Let me see him! My dear boy's best friend, the last one who saw him alive!' Why has he kept away from me? Did he think that I could possibly blame him? Your brother! And I have loved you from the first. She had Sydney in her arms now, and was leaning against her. They stood thus for several minutes. Presently Mrs. Braithwaite became calmer. I want you to write to your mother and brother at once, my dear— and have them come to me here. They shall stay at the hotel, for they will be more comfortable than in this old house. But they must be my guests from the time they leave New York. There! I am tired. I must lie down. This is too wonderful. Why, Sydney, child, why did you never guess it? My name might have told you. My boy was named for his grandfather— and it is not a usual name. "'I never heard him called Braithwaite,' said Sydney, trying hard to speak calmly. "'He was always Braith, and I suppose that was his real name. I was quite a little girl, you know, and it never occurred to me. Of course I knew it was Appleton, but you have never spoken of that name.' "'I see.' It is all perfectly natural, but still it seems strange, and I thought your family still lived in Maryland, and although I was struck by the name of Stuart when I first met you, when I heard you came from New York, I thought no more about it, for I know there are many Stuarts. My home was in Boston before I came here, and I never went to Baltimore. My blindness was coming on for a long time before my boy died, and after that it became very much worse, so I never left my home. It has prevented my taking more active measures to find your brother, but I have longed so to know him, that I might tell him not to grieve so deeply, and now I shall have the opportunity. I can scarcely believe it she relapsed into silence, and presently Eliza came upstairs, and then Sydney went back to the school. She had promised Mrs. Braithwaite that she would write to her mother and post the letter that afternoon, so that it might leave Kingsbridge by the evening mail, and she must lose no time. Fortunately, as it was a half-holiday, there were no school duties to be thought of, so she wrote the letter immediately and walked with it to the post office. It seemed strange, now that everything was so plain, that this wonderful discovery had never been made before. Why had it suggested itself to no one? Sydney thought it over as she walked along the muddy road. She said to herself that she must have mentioned Mrs. Braithwaite by name in her letters. Then it occurred to her that she always spoke of her as the little lady, the name by which all the girls knew her. Possibly she had never written that of Braithwaite. What would her mother say when she received her letter? What would Phil say? She hoped that he would consent to come. He was so morbid on this subject and shrank so from contact with other people, especially those who were in any way connected with the sad story. If once he could meet Mrs. Braithwaite and see her sweet face and hear her gentle words, Sidney felt sure he would realize her sincerity and perhaps in time he would become more natural. In the meantime, there was nothing to do but wait and hope for the best and pray that all might be made right. She was walking slowly back, lost in these thoughts, when she became conscious of a quick footstep behind her, and then came a laughing greeting. So it is you, Miss Stewart. I thought so, but I couldn't be sure until I got up to you, and so I didn't dare shout. It might have been a proud and haughty lady, whom I didn't know and who would have swept me off the earth with scorn because I spoke to her. Why, Mr. Tracy, where did you come from? For it was Alec Tracy with his valise in his hand, and evidently just from the train. Cambridge, thank you. I had a chance to cut, and so I have run up to see my mother. Couldn't help it, don't you know? Don't know what she will say, of course she'll be awfully sad at seeing me. "'Oh, of course!' laughed Sydney, who did not feel at all sad herself at seeing him. "'I'm glad it happened to be you and none other,' continued Alec, "'for I want to tell you how glad I am you're the sister of Murray Stewart.' "'You know, I never found it out "'until I met old Murray at the Talbots' New Year's Eve. "'We were pretty good friends when he was at college, "'and we've all of us missed him "'and were sorry he had to leave.' "'A sudden impulse moved Sydney to speak more freely "'than she would have done had she paused to consider. "'She and Alec were very good friends.' and she knew that he knew all their story, and that he had been present when it had been talked about at the Talbots. I have just found out the most wonderful, the strangest thing, she said. I can't help speaking of it, and as you know Murray so well, you seem like an old friend, Mr. Tracy. Of course I'm an old friend, and I so wish you wouldn't, be so mighty particular to say mr tracy returned him promptly but what have you found out that mrs braithwaite is the grandmother of braith appleton the boy the boy you know i know said alec his voice full of sympathy well that is queer how did you find it out Sydney told him the circumstances, and he listened with deep attention. It is a mighty good thing, he said, when she had finished. I believe it will make all the difference in the world to Phil, to find she feels that way about him. He must be especially sensitive, and so it has made him more morbid than it would a good many other fellows. I am awfully glad about this. May I tell my mother what you have told me? She would be so interested, and she knows all about your family, you know. Sydney willingly consented, and by the time she reached the school, she felt better for having had this friendly talk. It did not occur to her that Alec had come considerably out of his way in order to accompany her. She was only very glad that the world had become so full of friends. She told Elsie of what had occurred next door. It was easier now to talk about Phil's trouble than it once had been, and Elsie already knew the story. Anne and Dolly were told also, but to no one else did she speak of it, and they were asked to say nothing about it that very evening came a note from mrs tracy full of kindness and telling sydney that she hoped very much that mrs Stuart and philip would stay with her during their visit to kingsbridge the kingsbridge hotel is a poor place we all know and your family seem like old friends to me my dear not only for your own sake but because my cousins Mrs. Talbot and Mrs. Dana have known your mother so long, please send me your mother's address by the bearer of this and I will write to her begging her to give me the pleasure of a visit for as long as she wishes to stay. All this made Sydney very happy, but at the same time she felt anxious. How would Phil take it? he was so unlike other boys. Could he be convinced that Mrs. Braithwaite really did not blame him? Had this discovery been made in time to effect a cure, or was it too late? Phil was seventeen, and for four years he had brooded over his strange sorrow. His family had never been able to rouse him from it. His nature— Once so sweet and loving, had become warped. It might be hopelessly warped. Only time would show what effect the meeting with Miss Braithwaite might have upon him. End of chapter nineteen. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC.